The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome to hour number two. Fantasy Sports Today, Mike Blewett and George Kurtz. Find us on Twitter at FNTSY Radio. We have a poll up there. George, I want to see what your answer is to this one. Uh, Dan Stratford put the poll up at the beginning of the hour. Dan had to bow out, had some family illness issues, and uh, I think he was a little under the weather himself. So what's the most important sports story today? Is it the NFL Combine? Is it MLB Spring Training? Is it Bob Kraft? Or is it the NBA's second half? What say you? What is the biggest sports story today? Oh, we're a whole segment without mentioning Robert Kraft. I mean, how is it not Kraft uh-huh. right now? I mean, yeah, you know, that's really, what I said. We, He's we losing had, now. We had spy spring training game. took over, but I think our people are just uh, desperate to uh, get baseball talk going. But he's the biggest story. Go ahead. You had Spygate. You had Deflategate. What are we calling this now? I've seen Spagate. I saw oh, that last night. Well, I've, I've, I've seen Tailgate. Get it, Tail. Chasing <laughs> yeah, Tail. I, don't, I think that, that's good. I think that's good. Yeah. But I think the winner right now is, uh, oh, God, uh, not the nicest turn on the planet, but uh, I, saw it, I don't know if it was on Facebook or on Twitter or somewhere, but uh, ejaculate. There you go. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, Here's the reality. I said to Dan, and we'll keep it brief because we talked about it at the top of the show. The real story is a brutal story because it's a it's a sex trafficking sting. They closed down 10 spas. There's these women that were trafficked apparently from Asia, kept in horrible conditions, and forced to work in this industry. It's a terrible story. And it was brought to light by an investigative journalist that uh, works for the Miami Herald. I, again, I'll check her name and I'll, I'll give her credit for the story when I can. But she brought this to light and it created this huge thing. So that's really the larger story. And there's nothing funny about that. But the Bob Kraft thing, it's unlikely that he knew anything about this. So he's going to get a misdemeanor charge. He'll probably pay a fine. And then the NFL's got to deal with it, right? So he'll get a suspension and probably another fine. Right, George? Well, I, what you said is correct. Uh, when it comes to this whole thing, as far as prostitution, 
I'm of the belief that it, uh, if you have two willing partners, that's the key there. Two willing partners. Yes. I mean, I, I don't really have an issue with it. I, I know that maybe there's some moral problems or whatever, but I don't have a problem. As long as the two willing partners, you know, if he or she wants to sell her or he or his or her body for money and they're good with that, hey, more, you know, use it or lose it, whatever you want to term you want to use there. I, I don't have an issue. Uh, I know I've made the comment in the past uh, couple of shows that uh, it's an old George Carlin joke. You know, uh, sex is legal. Selling is legal. Why shouldn't selling sex be legal? You know, and I agree. Sell sex I think it should be every, regulated. Every day. Right. It's, it's, oh, it's sold everywhere anyway. Right. Yeah. But uh, I, uh, I think it should be regulated, taxed, and make sure, and, uh, you know, make sure everybody's doing their medicals and so everybody's healthy, that sort of thing. And I, I'm fine with it. But you said it's correct, though. I was just in Las is, Vegas for four days last week. It's everywhere. Like, it's just it, part of the deal. The problem is, of course, that, well, it looks like these women weren't doing it willingly. They were trafficked right, right in from China, I believe, offhand, uh, from yes. what I saw here. And that's the issue. Now, you're you're probably right. You know, Robert Kraft probably had no idea. And I said, I don't vilify Kraft for it, uh, if, assuming he didn't know. You know, that he, uh, that he didn't know these women yes, were brought in. that's a big qualifier. Yeah. We're both on board with that. Right. I, I don't vilify him for that. I mean, there'll be plenty of jokes made about what happened because of what he's done. And you're absolutely right about what the NFL is going to The NFL is going to be like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Really? Goodell just had a week where he bookended it with settling with Kaepernick and Eric Reed and ends it with Robert Kraft going to a massage parlor, an illicit massage parlor, a $6 billion net worth guy that has a mansion 20 minutes away, has to drive to a strip mall to go to this place. I mean, it's just like you, you, you've got to be kidding me. I, 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 Goodell's going to be like, oh, my God. You know, and now I get it's, it's of course, it's New England again. Yeah, you know, in which case he's he's yeah. already hated there. Now he's going to have to do yeah. something because this is a terrible look for the NFL. He has no choice. Oh yeah, he doesn't. I mean, Ursay has gotten his for what the pill thing. This is worse than that. That was that was six games and a five hundred thousand dollar fine. So it'll yeah, be. I would think that. That's where you start. I think it's got to be uh, double. I think the games could be there. I think the games could be the same, and the fine is double. Because it's know, a multiple that- multiple infractions for that organization. And if this video ever leaks of whatever he was doing, oh, it will. First, my, my mental health will be done. All right, I, I don't need to see this at all. Uh, It'll get out there. And then, yeah, I, you know, of course, it always does. Uh, I will not be watching this. I will do my best not to watch this. Uh, and then Adam Schefter reporting there a bigger, there's a bigger name involved, you yeah. know. And uh, now that doesn't mean it's a sports name, of course. But if it is, yeah. we gave our Gabe Morenzi, uh, you know, he's right. Point out the only bigger name he can think of that would be involved would be Goodell himself or Jerry Jones. And like, and the first thing that goes through my head is a threesome or a foursome between those guys. I'm like, oh, now I'm just destroyed. It's gross. And, really yeah, put show. it nicely. Well, have you? Did you see the list of the 25 people they arrested? Uh, I did see a snapshot of that. Now, those were people that were involved in the trafficking ring, right? Not just customers of the place well Kraft's that, on the I, list, that so i don't maybe, know maybe oh yes. maybe a mixture oh, okay. of both but Kraft's on that list the problem is if you look at the date of births my god you know uh I, older guys offhand i don't think it was anybody younger than 65 yeah you well, know offhand so it's like my look god at the area of florida that's in you know there's a lot of retirees and stuff down there so uh, that that doesn't shock me but um well, so I, I guess I didn't see that list with with Kraft's name on it. Maybe it was a, a different list that I saw. Yeah. But there's no other um, name that I recognized on it. But uh, Kraft's name is uh, 
it's an alphabetical well, order. Well, I mean, people are making all kinds of wild speculations at who it could be. You know, you obviously have um, – I, I, look, I don't even want to throw the names out because I don't think it's fair. Like, you know, people are making wild suggestions about who lives down there and who lives in the area and who it could be. But it, who knows what it is. Uh, now, what I'll say about the craft thing and him not knowing, I'm saying he's not knowing about the trafficking part Anybody that walks into a place that like that would know immediately what's up. That it's oh yeah an illicit massage parlor. I'm saying he didn't know that these people are being likely didn't know that these people are being held against their will. Now, the, the positive that could come out of this is that people start to realize that the workers in these places are being trafficked here and are being held against their will. I. To be honest, I never really gave it a thought. I don't go to those places, so I never really thought, oh, these people are here against their will. But, you know, I've worked in Manhattan for the better part of the last 15 years where our studio is there, uh, other work that I've done is there. Those places are everywhere, everywhere. I've worked in buildings where I'm on the fifth floor, they're on the third floor. I would never think to go, but it's not like they don't have regular clientele coming into those buildings. So I'm just saying that those places are there all the time. I don't think I ever gave it a thought that those women are being held against their will. So maybe that this story having a big name attached to it sheds light on it. Our friend Brandon Marianne Lee, really that was, she sent out a tweet yesterday uh, calling to light that that's really the bigger part of the story. In fact, there was somebody linked to another story where a couple of weeks ago, 339 people were arrested in a California sting of a similar type because of all these trafficked workers. Like that, it shed light on the the phenomenon for me. Frankly, I didn't know. I didn't even really think about it, George. Yes, I mean that that is the problem there. Now, like you, I've never been to. Uh, I don't work in Manhattan. It's not really as prevalent here on Long Island, especially where I am. Uh, I guess I've been. Uh, I certainly never paid for anything, and I never would. I just yeah. not, I don't feel very comfortable uh, yeah, in those. I don't, hell, when it comes to strip clubs, I think I've been in a, in a strip club maybe six, eight times in my life, and at least half of those were for bachelor parties. You know, it's yeah. just not something I ever feel all that comfortable going uh, to. Uh, now that I'm, of course, uh, married, father of two young girls, I'm not going to be going there anytime soon either. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough situation. I, said, I, don't, I don't have an issue with it as two willing partners. I don't. You know, it's, uh, it's just something I don't believe uh, – I think when it comes to enforcement, I'd rather see our uh, our police, our law enforcement, worry about other things, rather than yeah. you know once again selling sex between two willing participants. I always go there willing. I just don't think that's a uh, it's a big thing. Once again, the worst thing you do do to somebody is fall, give them an orgasm. No, I don't think so. Let's uh, let's move on here and find something else. But uh, yeah. it's just uh, it's a bad look, you know. And I keep thinking about uh, what his wife too. Uh, I remember back in the 90s when she she got all made about Bill Parcells calling Terry Glenn she all the time. You know, she, uh, she's fine. She's working out, that sort of thing. When he got hurt all the time, I can imagine what his wife's doing right right about now. Maybe putting some zeros on the back of that check when she gets divorced. But uh, not and not a good look. I'm curious to see how Goodell handles this. He's, he's going to be vilified for it no matter what he does because New England, New England fans won't care. They're going to they're gonna crush him. Uh, I also am curious to see how Kraft's lawyer defends this. I know what I know what the lawyer's going to do. The only defense you're going to ha- be able to have, if they have this video, then your only defense is, well, it was you know two willing people. I didn't pay. You know, unless they unless they have video of him paying, I didn't pay. That you know she wanted to. 
<laughs> Good luck yeah. with that. But that's that's yeah. really the only possible defense for this. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just curious to see how that works out as well. Yeah. So that's really it. We're gonna we'll probably put the craft thing on pause. I think you can expect a suspension and a fine. Um, I would start at the six games, five hundred thousand dollars that Jim Ursay received, and go up from there. I, I I don't know that the suspension would be longer, but I would imagine the fine will be. So. We don't have too much time to spend on the Kaepernick thing, and we got Emory Hunt coming up here in five minutes. So I'll do the we'll do the Kaepernick stuff in the final segment of this hour because I just want to set up a couple of things for um, talking prospects and things of that nature. So there's a, there's an article on MMQB uh, on SI just talking about the the neediest teams ahead of free agency in the NFL draft, and I think that. You know, draft order is always going to play into that, the teams with the most holes. But as we start to look at the quarterback scenarios, George, and this is something that you and I have talked about quite a bit in the past of you know where QBs fit in and, and what teams are in desperate need, um, the Giants need a long-term solution. Arizona has a guy in place. Those are the two teams at the top of the draft that look like they're probably going to be looking right away. Do you suspect or that could be looking because of the rumors surrounding Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury? The Giants obviously need a long-term solution. Do you suspect that the Cardinals are going to be in this quarterback market and get rid of Josh Rosen? I don't think that. I think they're going to work with what they have. I would agree for a couple of reasons. Uh, I think we'll know before we draft. Because they can't trade Kyler Murray without trading Rosen. If you right. you draft Murray draft, number one overall, yeah. Yeah, yeah. then your your value for Rosen goes down. So you got to trade him before the draft. You know, you got to find a willing partner. Someone you're you're selling low on because he didn't have a very good year last year. So uh, I don't know. I would find that strange unless uh, you know you can never have enough quarterbacks. You know, and see if one of them works out. If you have some doubts, it's it's. I don't even think we're talking about this without the fact that Clingsbury is the coach there. And he made the comment that he would take him number one overall when he was college coach. I totally agree. You know, not, right, this is, not a, this is not a discussion here. But now it is. I think Murray taking number one overall is a huge risk. Listen, the guy's only a little bit taller than me. All right, now that's going to be a problem. I don't care how, what kind of athlete you are. He is not Cam Newton. We've seen the problems Cam Newton has with all the hits that uh, he's taken over the years when they add up. You know, I, I think this guy would have a very short career as far as being a very talented player, uh, sort of a Robert Griffin type. Uh, so I think that would be an issue there. I'm not taking him number one overall. I can't do it. I think the Cardinals are in a tough spot here. Even if you truly wanted him, number one's too high, and you got Rosen. So you'd have to trade down. You know, to trade down to somebody who wants, uh, who probably not Murray, but who is the who is somebody that somebody would give up a ton for to, to trade up for? You know, if it's a quarterback, which generally it is, right? There's always a quarterback people trade up for. Is Haskins that guy? I mean, I, I don't know. That's why uh, the Giants at six, I think, are really another team that interests me because they need a quarterback, right? I mean, there's, there's no doubt they need a quarterback. But do they sit at six and go, let's see if we get lucky? Or do they realize, well, we probably got to trade ahead of a couple of teams if we want to assure ourselves of Haskins, if he is their guy. You know, uh, do they have to trade up to with Oakland at four? God forbid the Jets at three, you know, and trade with the hometown team. You know, even San Francisco, San Francisco needed a quarterback. So the, the, the Giants now have to give up next year's number one to do that. Do they want to do that? You know, so I think there's a whole, there's a lot of moving parts. Listen, the draft 
is fun. The draft is a season into itself in the NFL because you have always have so much theater. And it's just and this is a year. Just theoretically, the top three teams don't need a quarterback. Cardinals yep. have Rosen. Nine is Garoppolo. Jets Donald. You know, even the Raiders you can make an argument they don't need one with Carr, but I don't really trust Gruden when he says he uh, he's happy with Carr. Don't trust him at all you there. Tampa Bay. You can't hire. Who knows you can't them. hire Cliff Kingsbury and and have him come in there. As a first-time NFL head coach, granted he played in the NFL or was on NFL rosters, however you want to phrase it, he's an NFL player. I'm giving him that. Uh, you can't have him come in there and start demanding to ditch the number one pick because I don't really want to work with Josh Rosen. Are, like, are you kidding me? We have a first-round draft pick. Work with him. You're such an offensive genius. Figure it out. That would really be my ultimatum to him and it would have happened frankly before he got the job <clears throat> i wouldn't have said well we got the number one pick who do you think you think we should ditch rosen that wouldn't even really be a part of the discussion that would be do you think you can work with josh rosen and get him on the right track because what we did to him last year was a disaster offensive line uh play calling two different offensive coordinators a defensive minded head coach we put him in a position to fail so can you work with him and if his answer is yes, I know I can get Josh on the right track, then you're hired. That's how he gets the job. Not, hey, let's hire Cliff and figure out what he wants to do at quarterback after we hire him. I agree with you. I wholeheartedly agree. I think, once again, uh, Rosen Jermaine, I don't, I don't think it's fair to judge him <laughs> last year. Plus, you didn't have much around him. I think Rosen Jermaine, I had no problem trading out of the number one pick. No problem at all. I think it's both no, if uh, you, you keep it. But if you want to trade out of it to get more picks because your team needs more players, I have no issue. And if you can get a bounty because, uh, I don't know, the Giants are going to trade up to number one to assure they get Haskins, and they'll give you now, you know, obviously you know, the, the sixth overall pick this year, number one next year, and another pick. You get a third round this year or next year, whatever it might be. I'm all for that. Listen, you, when you have the hammer and the Cardinals have the hammer, you have to use it. It's unfortunate for them that this year is not a strong quarterback draft. The last time the G-Men took a risk like that, they won two Super Bowls because of it. So I can't rule that out. They, in their own history, they have to consider the fact that this could work. We're going to have Amory Hunt on the other side of that, on the other side of this place. We're going to talk about the combine and who to watch. It's Mike and George on FST. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Welcome back to FST. Hit us up on Twitter at FNTSY Radio. I'm at Mike Blewett. George is at George Kurtz. And now we have with us our buddy, Emery Hunt. You can find him on Twitter at F-Ball Game Plan. He's going to help us sort through over these next few weeks. He's going to help us sort through some of the draft prospects and exactly what it means for your long-term football uh, implications, but also your fantasy implications for those of you in dynasty leagues and those of you that are looking for the next hot prospect and where they might land. Uh, Emery's going to give us some insight. First of all, Emery, how you doing, buddy? 
I'm doing fine, man. As always, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, no problem. So <clears throat> now that we have Kyler Murray in the mix, and the last time I spoke to you, he was not in the mix yet, although there was a lot of speculation as to uh, whether he would or wouldn't be. Now that he's in the mix, he seems to be rising to the top of the list along with Dwayne Haskins. So you and I had a lot of debate last year as to as to who the top QB would be. Uh, you were a big Lamar Jackson fan. He proved to be certainly a, a winning quarterback at the end of this year. But are you of the opinion that Kyler Murray is the biggest playmaker and now he goes to the top of the QB list? Or do you hang in there at Dwayne Haskins or is it somebody else? I hang in there with Dwayne Haskins, and I always got to bring up the fact that Lamar Jackson was the only rookie to make the playoffs last year. That's right. Kudos to Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens, for doing the right thing. But Dwayne Haskins, to me, just plays the position like you draw it up. You know, he's decisive. He's consistently accurate at all levels of the field. He doesn't make bad decisions with the football. Even when he's dumping it off underneath, it seems like it's the right decision. And I think people need to really – focusing on his his placement. And and people may say, oh, well, he throws a lot of crossing routes or throws short passes. But there's a reason why those guys are always in position to make yards after the catch because that ball is placed perfectly to where it protects the receiver from the defender, it leads them away from the defender, and it gives them a chance to maximize their speed and acceleration so that we, they can use, utilize that to outrace guys to the end zone. This dude is probably the purest passer we've seen in quite some time. Emery, when talking about Haskins, this is George Emery, by the way. I think it's the first time you and I have spoken. Yes, sir, it is. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Covering for uh, Dan Stravitt, who's not doing so well, as Dan's having some uh, some issues, shall we say, uh, with the health and the family there. Like family. But I want to ask you about... you got like a family, a general family stomach bug. Put <laughs> Dan Stratford on the shelf, Emery, so it's not a good time for him. <laughs> not, a, not a good time in the Stratford house. Uh, Lysol, baby, Lysol. Uh, I, okay, when it comes to Haskins, I guess uh, can, can you compare him, for people who don't follow Drake, can you compare him to the quarterbacks that were selected last season or earlier uh, in April? Uh, the Josh Allens, the Josh Rosens. Uh, we'll throw Lamar Jackson there, Sam Donald. Is there a comparison made to any of these? To me, he would have been my number one quarterback last year. That's how good he is on film. That's how consistent he is in the things that he does really well. I had Lamar Jackson rated number one because I loved his passing coming out of Louisville, and when you combine that with the tremendous athleticism and making it an 11-on-11 game, that, to me, pushed him over the edge over everybody else. When you look at Dwayne Haskins, he doesn't even have to utilize his athleticism. I think people may view him as Dan Marino-like as far as running with the football, but he is a good enough athlete. He probably will run in the four sevens. He just chooses not to because he doesn't have to. He trusts me. He sees pre-snap, during the play, getting the ball out accurate. I think right now he is the number one quarterback. He would have been the number one quarterback in last year's class. Why? Because he does one thing that a lot of those guys didn't do. Even Lamar Jackson to Sam Donald to Baker Mayfield, he protects the football. He doesn't fumble. He doesn't throw interceptions. That right there is the mark of a guy that you could trust to put out there as a starting quarterback, as a rookie day one, and let him lead your franchise. I'm going to give you two rapid-fire questions. One, do you think Kyler Murray is a lockdown first-round pick? And two, 
who is the next one in the mix? Like, does Kyle come in at the second quarterback, and if so, who's third? Yeah, I think it's tough to say he's a lockdown first-round pick. We we saw on draft night Lamar Jackson went 32nd, right? Um, yeah. So you never know with the NFL. I would say it's safe that he is a first-round pick, and the third quarterback, to me, is Drew Locke. I, I think he got better uh, significantly this year as opposed to what he was last season where he was just really just throwing the football not really passing the ball. I thought he passed a little bit more. He got better situationally. And to me, he solidified as that third quarterback in his class. All right. The NFL is a quarterback-driven league. We know this. So let's say yeah, – I'm going to put you in the Cardinals. You're a GM of the Cardinals, Emery. Uh, are you taking Kyler Murray? Where, where do you think Murray should go? I guess that's my question. Where do you think Murray should go? Do you think he's good enough to be the number one overall guy? You mentioned Lamar Jackson last year. Uh, both went to trade back in the first round to get him at 28, I, I believe. Where do you think Murray should go? And give me the team you think he's going to. I think Murray should be in the top. 15, and, and if I had to pick a team that would be an ideal fit for him, I would think a team like Miami or even Washington would be a great fit. I would love to see him paired with Jay Gruden's offense and, and really spreading the football down the field and, and spreading the field uh, in, in general. I think that would be the ideal fit. So the Redskins could be a sneaky team that, that could move up and make a move and, and get a quarterback because Alex Smith is still wearing that cyber boot on, on his leg. He is not playing next year, so they need a quarterback. Um, but Miami or Washington would be ideal fits for Kyler Murray. I think he goes somewhere in the top 15. Now, whether someone in the top 15 that is there now will be picking him or somebody will move up, that's the biggest question. But I do think he's a top 15 type of player in his draft class. So, uh, Emery, again, we're with Emery Hunt. You can find him on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. He writes for The Athletic. Uh, you can certainly hear him on a wide variety uh, of broadcasts throughout the college football season. Uh, so good stuff that he's been writing over there. I can attest to his writing throughout the football season. So <sighs> running backs, I want to switch it over to running backs because we're going to talk so much about quarterbacks. I, I want to get a little bit in here on running backs. You know, we're trust me, we're going to talk Daniel Jones and, and all these other guys uh, moving forward. But Josh Jacobs has really come to the front of the pack as far as running backs go. Uh, we can debate. Uh, running back value and whether or not any of these guys should be first round picks. I think we've seen over the, certainly over the last few years, the running back value has taken a dip and then fluctuated back to where teams feel like they need to spend a number two pick on it. Hello, Saquon Barkley. So do you think Josh Jacobs is the type of guy that can be a game changing NFL running back? Or do you think it's somebody else that is a, a better fit somewhere? I like Daryl Henderson as number one. Um, to me, he does what I like the most. That's score from anywhere on the field, put the ball in the end zone, and has the, the, the home run hitting speed that threatens the defense. That makes you – that alters everything you do defensively. And to me, he's the game breaker in this class. There's some really good backs. You mentioned Josh Jacobs. You can go all the way down to Dexter Williams and, uh, you know, Devin Singletary and, and guys like that, Bryce Love, Mike Weber. Good back. But if I'm taking a chance from a game-breaker in this class, a CJ2K-type player, I would look at Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. All right, now with someone like Henderson, do we have a Barkley-type guy? Do we have anybody who's worthy of a top-10 pick? And let me ask you uh, just an overall question. In today's NFL, once again, passing league, quarterback league, do you think a team should take 
a running back early. I mean, you can make all the – Barkley's great. We all love Barkley. Fun to watch. Fantastic running back. Giants still finished 5-11, whatever, 6-10. and 10. Not a playoff team because they don't have a quarterback. He's not a very good one at this point in his career. Do you think it's, it's even worth it for a team to take a running back in today's NFL at a high draft slot? If it's Saquon Barkley, absolutely. Uh, Mike could echo this point, uh, you know, from talking last year. I wanted the Browns to take Saquon Barkley, number one, and Lamar Jackson at four. Uh, imagine that combination um, on that football team. And, and the Browns took a quarterback. They still finished with a losing record, 7-8-1. and one. The Jets took a quarterback. They still finished with a losing record. 49ers paid uh, Garoppolo $157 million, and they still have the second overall pick, even though he got hurt. Even before he got hurt, he was a guy that was having a losing season. Um, the Bills took a quarterback, and they still had a losing record. So you take good players when you can. And Saquon Barkley is a difference maker. I don't see the Saquon Barkley type uh, in this class. Now, if you're in the, the later parts of the first round and you need a back end, you know, that, that's the cool part about the draft. You never know when that run-on players is going to happen. So we may see a run-on receivers or you may see a, a run-on the, the top backs, whoever they may deem the top back is, and then an, another team may trade up and get a back too. So you never know. But I do think you may see one back this year going in the first round. I don't know who that back will be, uh, but – I think one, I thought last year I, I predicted three backs to go in, in round one. And we saw three backs going round one with the surprise in, in Rashad Penny, who I was real high on and wasn't surprised that he went there. I wasn't even surprised he went to Seattle. Uh, so we'll see. But if you have a guy that you believe is a true difference maker, uh, a one that you call the three-down back, a guy that doesn't have to come off the field, like Saquon Barkley, those backs you take high in the draft. You just don't take any back high in the draft. You have to take guys that you know for a fact that this dude is a legit difference maker, and Barclay was that, broke records as a rookie. So I thought the Giants did the right thing, made the right pick. Now they need just to pair uh, Dwayne Haskins with him, and that offense is really going to take off. Yeah, look, I I could quarrel with – and by the way, full disclosure, em- Emery played running back in college, so he's, you're going to be somewhat partial to the position in general. We have to be honest with, with the folks out there. Go Raging Cajuns. But at the same time, while I could quarrel with the Giants taking Barkley at two, Emery, if in the long run they end up getting a quarterback and the running back two years in a row and they got Odell sitting there and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram – Who's going to complain? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, you just take good players when you can. And it doesn't matter how you get them on your football team. You just want to have a collection of good players. And this is the, the thing. We saw the Rams take Jared Goff, number one. They did get to the Super Bowl. Credit Jared Goff for playing uh, well down the stretch in that Saints game. He made two huge throws, uh, clutch throws to convert first downs to close out that game, actually. I agree. But, he was great and, against the Saints. He was terrible against the Pats, but he was great against the Saints. Exactly. So you look at that offense, and if you were to tell me that Rams offense with all those offensive weapons would only have three points what by the third quarter or something like that, I was like, no way in heck that that would happen. But that's the difference between a quarterback that's you know not afraid of the moment in Tom Brady versus a quarterback that is afraid of the moment. So I think no matter how you accumulate talent, you want to make sure you have guys that can do a lot of different things. And I, I do believe right now the Giants are building that on offense. Uh, the offensive line played better down the stretch. They have to get much better defensively. But if they have a chance and they could pull the trigger and get the Wayne Haskins, 
their offense, to me, is set. Defensively, that's what they can focus their free agent bucks, the rest of their draft selections, and get better on that side of the ball. Let me ask you a question. We'll stick with the Giants here. Uh, Giants have him at number six. If the Giants do want Haskins, they have him, uh, whatever, the number one player on their board or the number one quarterback on their board, the player they're targeting, do you think they have to trade up to get him? You know, the NFL is weird, man. Because, <laughs> again, we saw we saw people trade up to get Mitch Trubisky in a draft that had – Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> And, and the Emory and I sat there on draft night, and we were stunned that that happened, that we oh. sat there covering it together, and we were stunned that all of that, all of those assets went into getting Mitch Trubisky. So think about it. So as much as we're talking about Dwayne Haskins and being a, a perfect fit for the Giants, watch someone trade up in the draft, get to pick number one or two, and take Daniel Jones. So it, that's how crazy, <laughs> that's how crazy the league is, man. So I, it's tough to call it right here. Um, I mean, I think, you know, you can, to, to to really ensure you get the guy that you want. We saw the Jets do this last year. to have, what, three second-round picks to move up and get the guy that they targeted. Um, so it's possible. It, it's a good strategy. And people say, well, what the Giants give up? Like, well, give up some of your draft picks. Don't give up players. That's all a, a wild thought that, oh, maybe they could trade Odell. Why would you trade one of your best players? You just got worse by trading one of your best players. Trade some of that draft capital and uh, move up. If you feel as though that's the guy you want, go get him. Um, and, you know, because you can't leave – I hate playing the draft game because you don't know. We just talked about Jacksonville needing a quarterback. Washington needs a quarterback. Miami needs a quarterback. Um, so those teams could also be in play. Uh, to go up and get a guy. So if you're the Giants and you're starting to get the feel that someone may try to jump in front of you, hey, go and get the guy that you want that you feel as though is the one that could be a difference maker. Now, if that's Daniel Jones, then you should probably shut down your program for at least two years to, to, uh, <laughs> because of that decision. But I just I just see the draft being a, a real crapshoot as far as teams trying to guess what teams are going to do because we've seen crazier things happen in the draft. Uh, two guys in particular, Emery, jump out to me that have a little bit of damage control for different reasons to go through. Marquise Brown, receiver from Oklahoma, had to have foot surgery. He's out for the combine and his pro day. People are going to have to draft him based on his production, which was incredible. He happens to be very small, 5'10", 168. But in today's NFL, we obviously have reason to believe that smaller players can be successful. 168 is particularly light, but he could throw on 10 to 15 pounds and still be effective. So let's, first of all, so give me some thoughts on him. And the other guy, because of perception of him this year when he took games off as he was preparing for the draft was Ed Oliver. So real quick on those two. Brown is a a fantastic player, man. I I want him to get a little bit stronger because he can get bumped off routes a little bit. Uh, But he's he's an explosive player. He's a guy that definitely can ring that cast register up pretty quickly with his, his speed, his skill. And so I would, I would take a chance on him, but, but again, he just has to get stronger and get a, get a, get a little bit more uh, core strength. So that way he could, you know, handle the physicality of the pro game much, much more than what he saw at Oklahoma. And Ed Oliver, I think, I don't want to say he took the year off, but I think he kind of, scale back a little bit this year, play a little bit out of position at Houston. He's going to be a fantastic defensive player in the NFL, wherever you put him. He can play one of four techniques up front 
and be effective. I think he's going to be a premier player and will go high in the draft like he should go, in my opinion. Yeah, like you're seeing ranges for him that are around 15 or so. I think by the time the draft comes around, he's a top 10 pick and people will come to their senses. Uh, look, Jadavian Clowney took some time off, kind of, Emery. He took some plays off and he ends up being a standout uh, NFL player. So thanks for all that insight. We're going to be talking to you in future weeks. You can catch Emery on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. We'll talk to you again soon, buddy. Have a good one, guys. Appreciate you. All right. So George and I will come back. We'll digest some of what Emery just said and talk more NFL. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. George and I are back. So thanks for listening this morning on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio. Download the app for free. Free to download, free to listen. Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Uh, just type FNTSY in iTunes or on uh, Google Play, and you'll get it. So, uh, And if you're listening anywhere else, uh, Armed Forces Network or uh, terrestrial radio stations, thanks. We appreciate it. So that was Emory Hunt. Good stuff there. Um, I think I disagree slightly on running back value. The more and more I get into it, I, I think here's the problem with what a lot of fantasy analysts do, George. They take absolute positions. And I think that's always a mistake because the terms always and never are badly overused. So it's usually somewhere in the middle, even if it's skewing one way or the other. The more you read about success and I read a lot of this during the playoffs in particular when it came to the, like Damian Williams versus Gurley for example uh, of a, a a large part of the success of the success of running backs tends to be play calling and offensive line offensive line play is difficult sometimes to quantify um, but play calling very often puts running backs in a really successful position. So you notice the Chiefs running game didn't really take a huge hit from Kareem Hunt to Damian Williams, nor did the Rams take a hit when they went from uh, CJ and uh, from Todd Gurley to CJ Anderson. So that's why I get worried about teams drafting guys at number two. Now, as I said, just in the prior segment, it's all out in the wash. You really shouldn't freak out if, if it all works out, if the Giants end up with a quarterback this year and they have Barkley and, and all those skill players, who cares when they drafted him? That's just part of the team now. Well, I guess I think the Giants made a mistake. Uh, could it end up working out for them? Sure. Yeah. It could. I wouldn't do it either. Uh, I agree. Yeah, uh, listen, I, I, Barkley's an extreme talent. Yeah, he's very, very good. He set all sorts of records last year. How many teams? Uh, games you win? Five? Six? Make playoffs? No. You didn't make the playoffs in a weak division. 
Right? Cowboys yeah. really weren't very good. Eagles weren't very good. Washington was uh, – Switzerland went, Switzer went down. They were terrible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, it, this is a quarterback-driven league. You can't win without it. That's why if I'm the Giants, you can't sit there at six and pray Haskins gets to you. Because if Haskins is the guy, someone's going to trade up and grab him. It's going to happen. It happens every year. You know, maybe the Cardinals do trade out of the number one spot. Maybe the Raiders trade out. They've already said they wouldn't mind gathering more picks. They have two other number ones. You know, or maybe Haskins is their guy. Maybe they trade their two other number ones to move up to number one and get Haskins. That wouldn't shock me either. Really, actually, nothing Gruden does would shock me. Listen, I, Barkley's great, but the NFL is a quarterback-driven league. All the rules are designed for it. The Giants proved last year. He can have a great running back. It just doesn't matter if you don't have the quarterback. You know, and Eli Manning at this point is an, an what average at best quarterback, NFL quarterback. You need you need a better one. You passed up on all the guys last year. I said it may work out for you. Maybe you do a, you do get Haskins this year. And as you said, you probably weren't going anywhere next year with uh, last year with Donald or um, you know Allen Rosen either. So it didn't matter. You get Haskins and you're fine. Everybody lives happily ever after. But it was a gamble. You know, it was just a gamble here. One that might pay off. One that might not. You know, it's still going to cost you something. So I don't think the Giants can stay there at six and go, okay, we'll just wait to see what, uh, if Haskins comes to us. Because I don't think he's going to last till six. I think someone will move up and get him. Uh, and I, th- I think that'll be it. I think the problem could be for the Giants, even if he gets close, he gets past the Raiders at uh, four. Well, Tampa could take him themselves at five. Winston's proven, I don't care what Arian says, that he really can't get it done. Or Tampa could be, could be a team that trades out of five. You know, trades with the, the Jaguars at seven if the Jaguars don't uh, get Nick Foles. You know, maybe uh, maybe Denver at ten comes calling. You know, and LA tries to see if he can go over yeah. thirty and call, trying to get Washington a could there. trade up. I'm I'm looking at a mock draft right now that has the, the Washington mocking in this mock draft. Washington trading up with the Jets to take Kyler Murray. Now that's you know that's what mock drafts are a part of. You try to get creative with it, but that's not unreasonable. Whether it's Haskins or Murray, that Washington is like, all right, we have to hit the reset button. Alex Smith's not coming back. We got to do something drastic. And to your point that you've been making, the Cardinals, the Niners, the Jets, the Raiders, and the Bucks are the top five teams. How many holes do those teams have collectively? None of those teams are complete. In fact, the Niners on paper are probably the best team. Because they have a bunch of young defensive talent, a few other assets as well. They have a long-term quarterback situation. So they're probably the best on paper. But the Jets, the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Bucks, they could all use an infusion of talent. I can't see. Uh, like I said, they're, they're, you're bad team. You're bad for a reason, right? Generally, you have, you have multiple holes here. Uh, the Cardinals... I said, if I'm them, I'm looking to trade down. I am. I, do, I have too many holes here. Uh, Boaster at number one's fine. But in today's game, I assume you get really good value for that number one overall pick if it's a team that wants Haskins or whoever they do want. So if I'm the Cardinals, I'm looking to trade down. San Fran, well, you're only list low because Garoppolo did get hurt, even though, as Emery said, you weren't going anywhere last year with Garoppolo. You have other holes as well. I actually wouldn't mind trading down there either, but I don't mind them taking Boaster at two if, it, uh, if that's where it goes. The Jets, they already have their quarterback. And they have a truckload of cap room, really to solve a lot of their uh, a lot of their other holes. Whether they want to go after Le'Veon Bell or wide receiver, whatever it might be, hell, they can get Bell and Brown if they want to give that up to the Steelers, and uh, they could solve some of their problems there. But wh- where do they go? There's not a receiver that's going at number three. That's not happening. You know, not a running back that's going at three. That's not happening. So the Jets are an intriguing team too. I could see all these teams that we just talked about looking to move down because they don't need the quarterback. 
You know, they don't. That's only if you don't need the quarterback, that's where the value is. You trade out then. That's why the Giants will have options to move up if they want to secure themselves of Haskins. The yeah. Redskins, you know, they're, they're at 15. That's a lot. I mean, you probably got to give up two number ones now, right, to move up yeah. there. It means you give your number one in 20 and 21. Uh, so that that's tougher. And it gets tougher to do there. The Dolphins, obviously, they need a quarterback as well. But it looks like the Dolphins may be more playing for next season where the uh, quarterback draft is uh, supposed to be much, much better as far as uh, maybe sort of like last year we have three, four guys you could grab there. So also the Dolphins are going to be doing that, you know, that, that nasty little word of tanking. So we'll, we'll look to that. But you're right. Those are teams you watch that could trade up because they need a quarterback. You, know, yeah, you look Broncos, at these other teams Bengals, here. Dolphins, like all these teams could be looking at somebody long term. It's, it's interesting. How about Tennessee? A... Tennessee ready nah, to give up a Mariota? Nah, They're nah. going to give him another year? Yeah, he's got the year. He's got okay, the year. He's got they the year. Exercise the option, so he and Jameis are on notice. Both. And then after that, you, know, you really don't see any other. Obviously, now you get the better teams. They have quarterbacks. Tennessee, yeah, so, man, uh, they're so close. I know I'm I'm the biggest Titans, rah rah pom poms guy. I get it, but they are close. They've got a bunch of talent there. If they can just if that offensive line was intact all year and they can remain intact next year. And they had a bad year, George. They were nine and seven. I'm just saying they're close, like they're the inches away from being an eleven and five team. Uh, I, I just felt that way. I thought I actually predicted them to be eleven and five last year. They they went nine and seven, but uh, I digress. The reality is, I think they're close. I, I just wonder if Mariota's ever going to stay healthy. I think that's your real issue with him. Uh, he's showing to be a chronically injured player, and that's not somebody you can bet on. So, anyway. Uh, Enough about that. A couple of quick stories. We're going to do the Colin Kaepernick stuff probably. We'll talk a little bit about that in the next segment, which I know uh, some people don't want to talk about, but I do think there's a couple of interesting angles to it. Um, Cody Parkey, he's out in Chicago, George. You knew. I mean, the second that thing hit the the crossbar, I was like, welp. We hardly knew he, Cody Parkey, but you knew he was gone from Chicago. You can't keep him around. It it has shown, right or wrong, to be better to just remove those people from the locker room so that you don't have to think about the tragic way in which you lost. I mean, listen, uh, he also didn't thrill the coaching staff there by going on the talk shows after it, after the misses there. yeah. And he missed other kicks as well, not just in that one game. I mean, the, the funniest meme. No, I he was not good the, this year. I think I saw the meme on Facebook was a, uh, you know, what Cody Parkey sees when he's uh, kicking through the uprights, and the uprights have many more uprights and more, any more posts in between. Them. It was hilarious. <laughs> had like you know twenty posts. It was, it was funny. It was really funny. Uh, but yeah, uh, you had to let him go there. I mean, it's three point five guaranteed that you're still paying him, so oh, that sort of sucks. Uh, it's hard. It's finding a kicker is tough. We see it in the NFL over and over again. It's hard to find a reliable kicker. I know our Mike Cardano loves to play up. That one of the uh, one of the reasons New England's been great over the past you know twenty twenty five years is because they've had two kickers, you know, uh, Vinatieri and Guskowski. It's nice to not yeah, have and, to worry about it. It is. And while, while Mike's got a point there, well, they also have two Hall of Fame kickers. All right, and yeah. they got. I don't want to say they got lucky, but it's not like they developed these guys. You know, you kicked them, they end up being great. You know, and exactly. it worked out for you. The so, Steelers uh, found a yes. gem in Chris Boswell, and then the, the, the calendar turns over to 2018. And he sucks. And he can't kick. They lost two games specifically because of him. <laughs> and the Steelers were a 
nine six and one team. Like they, you know, if 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 he was even reasonably good in those couple of games, this all this drama that's gone on doesn't happen. Like think about that. If he hits the kick against the Browns, and we're going to get transitioning into Antonio Brown stuff now. If he hits the kick against the Browns, ten and six. And if he hits the kick, what was the other game? Against the Raiders. And they made so many mistakes against the Raiders. And I can't even put it right on Boswell. But maybe we get one there. And that's 11. And if they don't play, I they, they could not have played a worse game than they played against the Broncos. Like that one was just the sign that something was really wrong. Uh, that was the game for me. I was like, uh, I knew it. They come off like a six-game win streak, and then I thought it was a Fugazi win streak, and then they played the Broncos, and it all started to show signs that, uh, yeah, they can't protect the ball, they make a lot of penalties, uh, and we make mistakes at the end of games because the coach is sort of not good in situational football. But anyway, uh, that kick, the, the kicker, though, is – highlighting the fact that the team was struggled. It was struggling. Anyway, speaking of all the drama, um, I can't say I'm surprised. I did think that there was going to be a chance that Antonio Brown was going to come back. Everybody would come to their senses, be like, all right, we'll have Ben not hammer you on his local radio show and just come on back. But it seems like everybody's moving on. The GM is in this awkward position. I watched an eight-minute interview with Kevin Colbert last night. He's in this awkward position of having to kind of talk about it, but not try to bury the market value on Antonio Brown. They're in an impossible position right now because they're not going to get much for it. Well, I mean, one, the GM should shut up. He hasn't said anything that's really helped his case here at all in any, in any way, shape, or form. I mean, my God, don't you take a PR class and they realize, Obviously well, not. you know, what you should – yeah, right. Obviously not. Didn't work out there. Uh, I mean, this this thing has been a disaster. Kids. <laughs> One of the, oh, call God. everybody else kids, this, and the, the most yeah. immature guy on the team is is the guy that you say is the unquestioned leader. Uh, Unbelievable. Actually, he this team has turned into really the Cowboys. Jerry Jones. It's it's amazing. When it's people weird. think of the Steelers, you should be thinking of pretty much a, a model organization. Right, oh, mm-hmm. it's been the way it is year after year. You don't you don't go firing coaches uh, automatically. You know Chuck Noll, uh, Coward, Tomlin. Right, it's really it's really been a model organization. But the past couple of years, I mean, are the inmates running the asylum? Well, what's going on here? It just doesn't make any sense. And it Brown doesn't real Antonio Brown doesn't realize. My God, be quiet, because every time you want to be traded, right, you want out of Pittsburgh, and I, that's all fine and good, you know. But every time you open your mouth, you hurt your their, their trade position. They're getting less and less value for you, which means your your odds of being traded are getting less and less because Steelers, the Steelers aren't going to be able to get what they want. They already have no chance of getting a, a number one pick. That's not happening. Nope. You know, but you could get a number two, and maybe you get a number two from those things we keep talking about. San Fran, a 34th overall. Jets, 35th overall. That's possible. Low, thir- low number twos. That's possible. Those teams need them. But every time you open your mouth, you're hurting it because, man, if I'm the Jets or if I'm the Niners, do I want to deal with this? Have, have him come in here, and he's going to be another malcontent. And he's going to destroy my locker room. Uh, so I, I, that's listen. That's what it went Brown, the GM coming in and saying what he said, and you just said it perfectly. By the way, the most immature player on your team is the one you said he can criticize anybody he wants. And I know he's tried to backtrack off that now, 
you yeah. know, where he didn't say that. I mean, you heard Lewis Riddick of ESPN pretty much went off on him about saying that. I mean, wow. I mean, really, wow. Is, does Ben have that much power in the organization to do whatever he wants? It seems like that he does at times, and that's been a big problem. I think what I when, how Antonio Brown handled the situation was bad, but I don't he blame him for church. being he didn't off. show up. Yeah, he's allowed to be pissed, but you can't not show up to work if you're anyone. Agreed. And they didn't show Agreed. up for his teammates during what was effectively a, a playoff game. I, I think, I honestly think, locker room health wise. It probably is better if he's not there, but the guy's so freaking good that it automatically hurts the team, as good as Juju might be. It automatically hurts the team, but I just don't know. What was going to happen is that stuff was going to bubble up again, especially if they didn't play well next year, and it was going to be worse. Because he'd get into a fight with somebody like David Castro or God knows who because he no-showed last year, or probably defensive player. And they'd be swinging on each other in the locker room. I, that stuff would have happened. It just would have. I agree with you there, too. You can't give it. It's the, what the Cardinals sin to give up on your teammates, right? To not show up, not play. I mean, you, you said it. That game against Cincinnati was a playoff game. You know, winning, you might have a chance to go on. Losing, you were certainly done. And he decides, hey, he's going to take that day that, that day off. And of course, the agent will protect and his him. His agent he call. Showed up on game his day. Agent, yeah. He has his agent call. Drew Rosenhaus calls Tomlin to sort it out. What, what are you, five? Pick up the phone. Just do it. By the way, first of all, show up to work. Second of all, pick up the phone and call in sick yourself. I think, listen, when, it, when that whole, the whole Antonio Brown thing came down, yeah, when it first started, for me, what really told me enough about Brown that all I needed to know was all the former players. Generally, players, yeah, they protect each other. And it's just yeah. worthless. When uh, Ryan Clark of ESPN. fired on him. When You're he, right. He eviscerated, Ryan Cluck eviscerated Brown about how he wasn't uh, there when he first got his contract, how he wasn't, he was always an IME guy. He's like, oh my God. And then other Manny players Sanders, did it too. Same thing. Right. That, that's all I needed to hear to let you know about Brown when his former players did not protect him. They actually, they crushed him. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we may have to continue a little bit of this Antonio Brown talk on the other side. We're going to get back to baseball too. And we'll talk a little bit about, maybe a lot, about the Colin Kaepernick settlement. Uh, It's Mike and George on FST. We'll be right back.